This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Funny as a football game. Oh, Aaron, you're deleting that out. We'll start again. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Green and White podcast brought to you by Argyle Life. Football's a funny old game, isn't it? Four days is also a long time in sport and in life. As a Kean resident, I can testify to that. Following Tuesday's 3-0 home defeat to West Brom, many questions were asked about all things Argyle. No matter what your persuasion you are in that argument that took place on social media, as paying supporters, it is well within our rights to ask questions, to criticise and to just simply discuss what we witnessed. So as we headed back to the northeast, this time to Teesside to take on Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough, there were always going to be questions that were needed to be answered by Fozzie and the group. Are we being too defensive? Can we let the handbrake off? Is the squad fatigued? Can they go again and find the energy to, for a performance to yield a successful trip? I think it's safe to say all those questions were answered in full and in style. Matty Sorinola bagged the opener after an enterprising effort from Darko JB was parried into the oncoming path of our right fullback. And the Green Army didn't have too long to wait to celebrate a second as that man JB was at the forefront of everything good about Argyle as he fed in Ryan Hardy, who slotted home his 12th goal in the league this season. We weren't done troubling Borough, however, as a host of chances fell the way of Messrs Sorinola, Gibson and a double chance for Randall, just to name a few that gave us a first half to remember. In the second half, we were professional, diligent, disciplined and spirited as we saw the game out, not without more chances to increase the lead, to claim a valuable three points, our first win in five and our first clean sheet since Swansea. Joining me this evening to discuss a famous win in our recent history at one of the division's big boys, fresh from a break from the podcast, making a quick reappearance is Adam. Adam. Good to see you, mate. You good? Very well. Very well, thank you. Much like last time I was here after Swansea, I'm once again high on life. <laughs> I think it's safe to say when Adam's on, it tends to be a good game that we're reviewing. Uh, Graham, Thanks. back off the subs bench again. Are you well? Yeah, well, um, enjoyed listening to the commentary and uh, 
the watching the performance uh, subsequently this morning outstanding coupled with going to see the <clears throat> academy win the youth alliance league in the morning so it was a good day to be a, an argyle fan it certainly was we got more on the academy um from graham later on and talking of that commentary making his argyle life green and white podcast debut the voice of almost every away game nowadays on bbc radio devon it is drew savage drew welcome to the podcast Hello. are you well thanks for having me yeah uh, thank you yeah it's been a great weekend all i always say is that commentating on argyle commentating on your own club if it goes well and we play well it's the best job in the world if it goes badly and the fan base is down and performance isn't good it can be really difficult at times you know it can be i remember when we were in administration it was like commentating on that was like watching somebody you, you love being beaten up so i set off from middlesbrough not quite knowing what it was going to be and wow just wow really Pretty much, wow. Um, seems as you were there, Drew. Um, you were the, the voice behind many a Radio Devon listeners' ears on the game. Why don't you talk us through this wonderful win at the Riverside? Um, I think, I mean, we just... It's interesting about the point of our our, our two defensive. I think in this particular game, we were defensive in the right area, which was right up in the final third that we just got in Middlesbrough's grill pretty early on. I mean, you guys saw the West Brom game and I didn't. So it's sort of, you know, vice versa, isn't it? Um, but we were just on the front foot straight away. And I, from the sound of it, from what everyone's told me, what West Brom did to us on Tuesday night, where we couldn't get out of our own first third and get the ball up the pitch at all, we were doing to them time after time. You know, we, we weren't giving them a moment's peace. JB was really good in the sort of advanced midfield number 10 role alongside Whitaker. Um, yeah, I mean, Hardy's always been good at closing people down. But yeah, we were we were pressing high and they couldn't live with it. Um, and it just, you know, got an early goal. Great to see. I'm sorry, Nola had, you know, it's almost impossible to pick out. You go, well, yeah, sorry, Nola had a good game. JB had a great game. Randall had a great game. Hardy got a great goal. Um, Gibson and Galloway were both very, you know, solid at the back. Hazard, you know, who had a bit of a bit of a mare by all accounts on Tuesday, read the game really well. He looked pretty assured. I mean, by the stats, he didn't have a save to make. But there were a couple of times when Middlesbrough were through on goal and they did shoot and he did save it. They were then proved to be offside. But it's always good as a keeper for your confidence that you get those saves in and go, well, I don't care the flag's up, stopped it anyway, mate. You know? Um... So, I mean, the only, anyway, I think we had something like 13 shots on goal just in the first half. And the only thing, I mean, Hasniel Joffrey, my summariser, said to me off air at half time, I don't, know if Middlesbrough, I don't know if Middlesbrough can be that bad again. And that was the only worry in the second half. But so the second half is different kind of performance. We didn't create so many chances. We're still a threat and we were still pressing. I think we ran out of energy a little bit off the hour mark, but. That's to be expected. Um, but we saw it out. Um, you know, and this is a team that's beaten Chelsea 1-0 on that ground not so long ago. It's just, and the team that won 2-1 at Leicester last time out. It just shows what a crazy division the championship can be at times. But, you know, I mean, I, you know, I live in Manchester, so I, I, it was an early start for me. But that's not compared to the people, you know, there's a coach that left Truro at 3am, things like that. Those people. It just makes it 
all worthwhile, doesn't it? That, you know, everyone would have been absolutely on the floor after Tuesday night and very much doom and gloom and thinking, where do we go from here? Um, and that's, that's just the experience, isn't it, following our guy? That you get, very, you get some highs, you get some lows. Um, and it's right to react when you get the lows. It's, you know, it's, it's right to question everything. And I've never been, a, you know, 100% oh, shut up and get behind the team. But I was very pleased when they did come out and they did respond, they did react. And it's everything we wanted, really, isn't it? It certainly is. And, and Graham, is that not just the championship in a nutshell? Middlesbrough go and, and beat Leicester um, in the game prior to this. And Argyle put in a, a pretty lacklustre second half performance, whether it was fatigue or, or something else, who knows, on Tuesday night, or whether it was just more credit needs to be given to West Brom. But it's complete roles reversed in this game, wasn't it? Argo were in almost too much control of the game. I think um, West Brom had, didn't get the credit that they deserved for that performance. Interesting, I saw in Stonebridge at the academy game, we were talking about it, and he said that was the best set-up performance he'd seen. So we can't underestimate how well West Brom set up, pushed high, stopped us playing out, and we we. We ran out of ideas very much in the first half and couldn't get anywhere in the second half. And, of course, conceded the goals. It was a bad day. I think there was an overreaction to it in many quarters. And I was quite upset, I will be honest, to see some of the toxic nature of the commentary that was put about one game. When you look at Ian Foster's record, eight games, 11 points, pretty good for the championship with the team with the... Budget in the bottom two, it's 23rd or 24th. Didn't spend a penny in the transfer window. Turnover of 14 players and bed in a new manager and set up his own particular style. So it was inevitable one game was going to ro- go wrong and it went wrong spectacularly on Tuesday. But if you think back to the first half of Sunderland, that's how we played against Middlesbrough. We were very much on the front foot and... Press them high, they let us press them high, and uh, it worked. We got an early goal um, and then got a quick second. If anything, we should have been 4 0 up at half time, um, and that would have been a yeah. fair reflection. It was actually 17 shots, Drew, in the first half. Wow. And 22 in total, 11 on target, which was as high as anybody, I think, in the championship. <clears throat> Just to put it in the context, Liverpool had. Same similar number of shots, 120 odd minutes today, and same number on target. So it just shows you the sort of scale of how we performed. I thought it was fantastic. And can I just say, JB, outstanding. One of the best performances, non scoring performances of the season, I would say. It was phenomenal. Can we sign him, please? <laughs> He's very much a future player. I mean, you can just see him, you know. Particularly in that 10 role, which I, I wouldn't have envisaged for him. He was outstanding. I mean, he's a great ball recoverer, but he strides past you, beats beats you. And some of his passing, I and mean, then passed to Hardy's goal, you know, it was quite a difficult pass that. It was, yeah, I think yeah. Hardy moved out a bit wider to take it, but it was phenomenal. <clears throat> so credit to everybody. I don't think anybody had a poor game at all, which is when you get at least 
everybody and seven out of ten that's a good performance to build on and, and tough one on saturday but uh, I, I was so pleased that we're back on the straight and narrow as a result of that i would have hated the toxic toxicity to continue because we're our goal fans we want the best for the club and we've got to get behind the manager and the players because they're not going to change yeah Totally agree. Um, Adam, we'll, we'll talk about Darko JB now. We'll, we'll go on to the, the finer details of the game um, um, shortly enough. But Graham's, Graham's mentioned it earlier. I'm just going to run you through some of the stats on FOTMOB um, from, from JB's performance. Obviously, the assist for Hardy's goal, he had three shots. Uh, he had 31 touches of the ball. Um, four touches in the opposition box. He, he wasn't dispossessed once. Three out of three on accurate long balls, but defensively as well. You know, he had one block, one clearance, one headed clearance, two interceptions, seven defensive actions, five recoveries. He won four duels. Um, he also managed to win the team three fouls. But obviously the, the makeup of Jamie's performance yesterday was the fact that he was pushed into one of the number 10 positions at the expense of Alfie Devine, who was left out. Do you think, Adam, that moving forward, that is where you would much rather see JB? Or was it just horses for courses that this game, it just clicked? For for games like this, I mean, absolutely. It, it, it goes without saying. The, the, the stats you mentioned there make it very obvious. I think what impressed me so much with, with him being on, in the number 10 position was the way that he could impact our goal in both ways, i.e. going forward and in defence. Now, going forward, there, there's obvious things we can mention. Not only has he got the assist, he's also had the shot that, that Glover has palmed away before Sorinola's goal. And that goal, that shot actually reminded me an awful lot um, of a goal he scored at the Under-20 World Cup. Um, I think, if my memory serves me well, it was against Uruguay and um, in front of some pretty partisan support in Argentina as well. So, And um, yeah, he's just picked it up in that wide left position brought it in and um, that time he found the bottom corner this time obviously it was saved um, and the rebound rebound put away but that's the sort of thing that he can clearly do and he's clearly good going forward in those areas his passing as well I I, I know you've mentioned and again I'll, I'll touch on the, the the assist for Hardy he's it's not the only time that he's been in such a position in that game either you know he he only made 11 passes in the game which is not a huge number but of those it's four key passes i.e the pass before a shot clearly whenever jb got the ball he was a danger and he was putting the middlesbrough defense under serious pressure so it is encouraging and when you look at it the other way as well you've mentioned again the defensive actions and i i can only agree i think drew you mentioned the way that we pressed them from the front and i think jb being there was probably the direct cause of us being able to do that um so much better than um to be honest we 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 have very often before i mean we know hardy can can press well but i think having jb there rather yeah. than divine and it's not a slight on divine by any stretch of the imagination it's just the fact that jb is the sort of player who can do that and who can make that press so it's um it's a long-winded way of saying yes probably i think i do prefer him there i know one game is obviously not exactly a, a huge sample size, but I think particularly with Ipswich coming up on, on on Saturday, it'll be the sort of game again where we're not necessarily going to have a huge amount of possession. It's going to be winning it back in the right areas and transitioning quickly that's going to matter. I think that sort of game, much like we had at Borough, is going to be the ideal time to get JB into that position. And 
perhaps it can be facilitated by, you know, we're, we're saying leaving Divine out as a result of Jamie. Divine, by all accounts, would not look out of place in one of the deeper roles. He's okay. You may lose some of his um, ability in in those forward positions. He's got two assists already, which I think is quite overlooked and and shows that he is he's doing quite well when he's on the ball. But a lot of what we like about him and a lot of what um, he's been able to deliver, it's more of the technical stuff than, than than the physical stuff. And sometimes that can benefit being in in the more advanced role. But I think particularly when you want a high press and your game plan is so focused on winning those ball in those attacking areas and getting it forward quickly, holding Divine back and having JB in the 10, I, I think there's something there. Um, Drew, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, you were on the mic at the John Smith Stadium or whatever it's called nowadays back in January. I was there um, at Fozzie's, Fozzie's first away game. Darko JB played in the defensive role in midfield. You saw him that day. I'm sure you've seen him in between as well. Um, how would you assess him from the player you saw at Huddersfield to the player that you you? Yesterday. I'm just thinking actually because I didn't do the Sunderland game and I did the Leeds away game in the cup but of course JB wouldn't have played in that so I I think Huddersfield's the only other time I've actually seen him live so um, you know I thought that was a decent debut I thought he was a decent you know I could tell he was a decent player um, and he sort of slotted in well to that position but he didn't have an amazing game um, I thought, you know, of the debutants that day, Phillips was a standout for me on that that occasion. So, you know, I know, I know he can he can do a job there. Um, he impressed me, reminded me a little bit of Jay Matete in the way that you can give him the ball and you don't care if someone's trying to get him over. Someone's nearby, someone's trying to get off him. Um, you know, that, 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 that reminded me of, you know, so he, he's got the ability to carry it forward as well. Oddly enough, I always thought Matete might have been better in a sort of number 10 role. Um it was interesting, Matete, because I always rated him as a player, but the stats for games that he started were absolutely abysmal. It's like whenever we didn't win a game last <laughs> season, Matete started it. And I liked him as a player. I never wanted to go on about it. And it was great coming on. It was, it was not a bad player. He never, never played badly, but there was just something in him somehow that I couldn't spot that somehow indirectly meant we didn't win when he played when, when he started the match. He was great as an impact player. He was a good player. Um it's getting off the point slightly, isn't it? But um, <laughs> JB, I think I like him in either role, to be honest. And he, he, you, he's, he, you'd pair him up probably alongside either Houghton or Forshaw, um, and they would be more of the sort of sitter of the two, and he'd be the one to sort of bring it out a bit more. Um, but it's an interesting point Adam makes about Divine because we know he was playing for Port Vale in the more defensive position. I think. Spurs think of him as more of the attacking player. Um, and I guess when someone's you know letting, letting you have their player for either for not very much money or for free or whatever it could be, you kind of want to go along with their wishes and use him the way that they kind of want him to be used, maybe. Um, that might be a little bit of a factor in there somewhere. Um, but I really did like Jay. You know, it, it helped. He was probably a bit... bit um, Fozzie mentioned, you know, he's probably f- having not played the um, the cup games... He was probably a little bit fresher than some of the rest of the team. But, yeah, it was all action. It was all energy. But there was quality to it as well. It was a complete performance, really. Graham, um, before we move on from from Darko JB, um, as much as I'm sure he would love a 
podcast devoted to his his good performance we do have plenty to talk about um just just your thoughts on on that debate jb as a number 10 or in the defensive role i know we've seen him more in the defensive role but this was an eye-catching performance wasn't it it was and um i can see no reason why he can't continue there i think we're going to work on the what i call the 60 30 principle that he could do 60 minutes there and then um alfie divine come on for 30 or thereabouts so they can get the sort of highest energy performance across the whole game i think that might be a solution but on the on that performance he's got to stay there because he drove the team forward and um <clears throat> as has been said made sev several significant contributions um that leaves uh jordan and adam as the two in the middle and one thing I will say, I think they both were very, much more aggressive than I've seen them recently. They won a lot of ball, and and unlike Tuesday night, particularly with Adam Randall, didn't give it away. Um, that meant we transitioned quickly and effectively. So if Adam Forshaw had a slim chance for this week, I, I don't know whether he's going to be ready for Saturday, but... I'd start with Jordan and uh, Adam in the same, I'd essentially go with the same team, possibly Sorano or Bali Mumba swap around. Um, but um, no, I, I, I keep I keep uh, JB in that 10 role and see whether it's as effective at home as it was away. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Let's rattle through some, some full-time thoughts then on our comments on Facebook. Nick Carter says, where's all the boo boys and girls and others from Tuesday night? Great response and good performance today and another away win. The only thing that annoyed me from Tuesday was lots of our fans leaving early and booing our players in brackets similar to the Borough fans today. We're not here to talk about the Borough fans. They can boo if they like. Clearly means we had a good afternoon if they're booing. Um, Argyle till I die. Win, lose or have a crap game. Our team need positive support. Um, then we've got uh, Ray Taylor. When you see the other results in the league, what an absolute crucial win that was for Argyle. Enjoy the journey home. Uh, Jay Holiday says, what a fantastic result today. And credit goes to Ian Foster for getting his tactics spot on by pushing Darko JB further forward. And it worked. If I had to pick him out of the match, I would choose two, Darko JB and Adam Randall. And finally, a massive shout out to the Green Army for their fantastic support. Dan Stathers points uh, a bit of, bit of a dig at some of those who perhaps went a bit early on their anti-Fozzy talk by saying, humble pies in the oven, dig in. Um, 
And then we've got Barry John says, a real tonic after a dire slash toxic week. Have to give the team management and Green Army credit for the perfect response. Um, we'll take a dip into Pasotti Corner, where Tabby Green says, well done to the leadership team and the players. That was arguably our most comfortable win of the season. Same again next Saturday, please. Uh, Goody says, happy Saturday night. Huge three points, fully deserved. A great team performance. Well done, Ian Foster. Got the team shape and tactics bang on. Uh, Gweary Green, apologies if I've got your uh, username uh, wrong there, says Humble Pie versus Sour Grapes. Um, take that as you will. Um, Rush Goalie says Wonderful performance and result. Blown away some doubts after Tuesday. The perfect tonic. Well done to Foster and the team. Um, and then we're going to come on to the um, Twitter thoughts next, because actually there's an interesting point to raise from these. Um, Dan M says, Borough were awful, but our performance was right uh, was night and day, sorry, compared to Tuesday night. Foster made the right changes and we were very good today. We looked much better in midfield and everything just fell into place once we scored first. Uh, James Brenton says, trying to resist the temptation to say, I told you so. James, just say it. Um, you don't need to resist any temptations. Enjoy the moment. Keep the faith in the club. Proper fans don't boo, they encourage. Uh, we've then got uh, Ryan says, should have scored 10. Uh, weird what happens when you use your attacking to play attacking football. Um, Simon Fisher, great result and great turnaround from Tuesday. Onwards and upwards. Hopefully we can kick on from this and get some confidence back. Um, Liam Savage says, at the same time as overreacting to Tuesday, let's not overreact to this win. Borough were very poor today, offered no width, no pace, and their slow tem tempo build-up really helped us. Very glad to get back to winning ways. Um, I'm more than happy for Borough to be very poor yesterday, offering no width, no pace, and having a slow tempo personally. Um, but I wanted to raise the point with you, Drew, first of all, about what Ryan said, saying, weird what happens when you use your attacking play to play attacking football, because that brings us on to an interesting comment that you raised yourself um, in a tweet after media duties yesterday about Ian Foster talking about the levels of performance that he felt that was exactly the same sort of level of performance that we got in the last couple of games. Um, obviously, you weren't, you would have seen the last couple of games on on highlights and things, but he, he he was sort of he was defending, I guess, what he said in midweek, wasn't he? That we've come up against three incredibly strong outfits at this level in a short space of time, and. You think in two of the three games, Coventry were excellent. Leeds, we were good for an hour and it was a good contest. And yeah, okay, maybe West Brom was one game too many. Is that a is that a thought process you subscribe to? Um, yeah, that's it. that seems pretty fair enough to me. It was, yeah, I mean, he said, I'll try to listen to it again this morning as well. Um, yeah, he basically said, look, you know, people perhaps underestimate how difficult it is against teams that are in the top six. And it's in games like this where we can pick up points. Um, so, you know, we may well be up against it against Ipswich again next Saturday, but at least we've got the confidence of a really good performance against Middlesbrough. And, you know, I think we did, I think we learned a bit from what West Brom did to us. You know, I, I think he may have well said to them, well, look, you know, think what they did to work to you. That's what I want you to do to Middlesbrough. Don't let them play. Don't let them out of their own first third, you know? Um, 
but yeah, it, it's quite interesting to me because it was, you know, the comment, I'm sure, I don't know how much he reads social media, but I'm sure he would have been told what people were saying. And actually, one of the things I think he was most pilloried for was to saying, well, we've not been playing badly. Um, I think someone said, you know, it's a bit John Sheridan-esque almost. And I thought, well, it's probably not that. I think it's just the way he sees it in a different way than we see it. Um, you know, it, are the players doing what they what was asked of them and et cetera and et cetera. I think, you know, particularly in the second half, the West Brom thing just, just got away from us. Um, but it, yeah, I say it was interesting how he sort of doubled down on his point that he said, you know, and, 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 now, and now he's got, a, a, it's, you know, much easier to do that with a good performance and a win behind you to kind of back up what you're saying. But he'd nevertheless, he did, did, did double down on it. And he said, well, you know, I, I think the level of performance, the difference between the Leeds game and the West Brom in this game wasn't actually too different. It was partly down to the quality of the opposition. Um, and I think perhaps it does show how good West Brom are at stopping you playing and not, you know, not giving you a chance and not, not giving you an inch. You know, I guess the size in the playoffs, some of them, are, you know, they're there for different reasons. Some of them are there because, you know, leads are where they are because they've got a really good front four, really good fluid movement. And even if you're not having the best of games, you know, even if they're not having the best of games, they've got the talent there to break you down and score goals against you. And that's exactly what they did to Leicester. Um, you know, Leicester should have been out of sight in that game and Leeds come back to win that. Um, actually, yeah, someone, someone else said to me in the press box, we've been playing Leeds too much recently. That's one of our problems. I mean, actually, the only team that hasn't lost to Leeds when they played in this season has been Plymouth Argyle. Let's not forget that either. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, it is interesting. Also, you know, a lot of the games that are coming up after Ipswich, they are against teams lower down in the table, often below us in the table. Um, you know, we've got Sheffield Wednesday and Blackburn both away after that. Um, and particularly that Sheffield Wednesday game, I hate the word six-pointer, it's a cliche, but we win that. And suddenly, you know, how many points are we on now? I think we need, we need what? Possibly we're, not, we're on 40 points. now. Yeah, so probably, well, four more wins, definitely say. Three more wins and a couple of draws would do it. Um, you know, actually, if, if we were if we were to able to beat Ipswich on Saturday, win it Wednesday, we're halfway there, aren't we? Yeah. I was looking at it earlier today, and it sort of sounds a bit crazy, but one win a month between now and the end of the season, throw in a draw a month as well, is, is probably going to be more than enough. And if you'd said to us, all the way back in August on the eve of the Huddersfield game, that you'd be in a situation on the 25th of February that you're potentially three three wins and three draws away from staying in the championship, you'd have broken somebody's arm off trying to take that outcome, wouldn't you? The thing is, we, we're still dealing with quite a sort of small statistical sample for Ian Foster's management, head coachery, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that So, you know, you, and the, the big fear after Tuesday was... And particularly because we got nothing out of the Leeds game, having been all right after the sec after half time and looked like we might nick a goal back, we might get back in the game, and then they scored a second, and that was that. But you know, we've got one point from three home games, and I can see why people look at that and think, well, is this is this a pattern? Is this how it's going to be? Is this the whole season going down the toilet? Um, and it is a mercurial thing being a, being a football fan, being an Argyle fan. You are up and down, but nevertheless, it's you know, if if, if you know, if we've gone into 
Tuesday afternoon this the, early this week and said, right, well, you'll beat West Brom and lose at Middlesbrough. No one would have bat an eyelid, would they? So well, that's that's exactly we, it. We don't the other way about. That's the only thing. But it, it, it feels a lot better to say 11 points from eight games reinforced rather than eight points from eight games if we'd lost yesterday, you know? Yeah, Graham, you you touched um, a little bit earlier that you were a little bit miffed, if you like, at the, the negativity and the toxicity from Tuesday night's game. Do you agree with what Drew said there, that, that Foster doubling down on his viewpoint post-West Brom isn't necessarily a bad thing? It's not necessarily a case of him boosting his own ego. It's just the fact that he was right in what he said in the cold light of day after Tuesday night. Yeah, I actually wonder what he how he defined performance because if he meant distances covered by the players, the heat maps where they should have been, uh, this, all the you know precise measurement that goes on player performance, it's quite possible there wasn't a huge difference between the three games. It's, it, but outcomes are shots on goal and goal scored, and that's where the West Brom game fell so spectacularly short because we just couldn't create those clear-cut chances, uh, which we did against Coventry and to a lesser extent against Leeds. So I think he looks at performance in a different way to the we do, the way they executed the game plan, the shape and all the rest of it. Is it is it a different level to how we view a game? And uh, I can only say it's that. I mean, I, as for the reaction, as I said before, I think it was totally over the top. I mean, I do remember us losing, was it Millwall and Swansea or Swansea and Millwall in a week? It'd be interesting to see yeah. the commentary after that. I, I wouldn't mind betting it was something similar. And it seems to be a knee jerk, possibly inspired by the Michael Beale situation at Sunderland. You know, you know it's... it's uh, just get rid, you know, sack the manager as the first port of call winner. You suffer a bad performance and a poor result. And that's, that you just can't do that. Um, I mean, sure, he's going through the same at stake. I mean, he's lost six out of seven. So imagine what where Ian Foster would be if that was the case. So I know, I know the Stoke fans are on his back, but, you know, it's just put it into some relative context. We've won three, drawn two and lost three under Ian Foster in a tough run of fixtures in a compressed period. It's okay. We get, I think it's 1.3 points per game. If we do that for the rest of the season, we'll be comfortably secure. Yeah, definitely. Um, Adam, before we move on to the questions side of tonight's episode, um, just touch on, on Fozzie's substitutions yesterday because in the previous couple of games there's been a lot of, I guess, suggesting that maybe they can be telegraphed by opposition very easily. There were the, particularly three games in a row where on the 60, 65th or 70th minute both fullbacks are off and we're, we're getting the fresh legs in that position. There was none of that yesterday and it was very much, I'm making a substitution when I need to make a substitution you know, if, if somebody is beginning to flag right, they're coming off, we're getting the fresh legs in that position. His substitutions worked an absolute dream, didn't they? They did. And um, I suppose it helps when you're um, already 2 nil up and you've got the luxury almost of, of making um, substitutions on your um, 
on your own terms, shall we say. Um, but yeah, he, he, he used them well. It was um, a very, um, very different, as you say, to the, to the way we've just subbed off the wingbacks and brought on two more wingbacks um, as, as we have for for the last few. I mean, to be honest, um, his substitution did surprise me. I, I was pretty shocked that Mikhail Miller played the 90 minutes after catching a ball that was three yards in play in the first half and getting himself booked. So, you know, fair, fair play for... Um, for, for for sticking with him but um yeah he's um he's done well he's done well i mean it was 73 minutes before we made the change and it's it's interesting because actually i know between 60 and 65 minutes is when we've been making the changes recently for the wing backs but actually Burra made their their two um or their first two i should say 59 minutes i was thinking surely you know he's going to respond surely we know what fozzy's like we know he's likely to make those changes um at the same time and he's likely to respond to the fact that they've just brought on a couple of forward players and uh, are, are really going to challenge us but he he stuck to his guns and um you know it it it, it is as as we've all said you know he picked his right moment this time he he took off the players who I thought um, were, were flagging. I look at the fact you don't usually sub off a centre-back, but saw play he was flagging a little bit. Get Phillips on there, why not? You know, he's 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 done well. And I think it's almost the way he's used his substitutions are exactly the same juxtaposition with the West Brom game as the entirety of it, in the sense that everything that was... Or everything that happened this weekend was as good as everything on Tuesday was bad. And Foster's yeah. use of substitutions was... A perfect example of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, before we move on to uh, the questions that have been sent in, and we've got quite a few to get through tonight, um, open the floor to the three of you. Is there anything else you want to to throw in about yesterday's performance? Obviously, we could sit here all night and talk. For once, we could sit here all night and talk about the chances that we we didn't put away, and perhaps the fact it was only two nil was probably the only real disappointment if you like if you're being overly critical on the game but is there anything else anyone wants to flag up before we we move on i think on the spirit of that joe i just look at um the the chances we had in the first half one in particular or i should say two in particular that stick out uh the, the randall chances now i know that's the probably the the overriding memory of what randall did in that game was the fact that he could have made it three nil and put his out of sight um, by the end of the first half. But actually, if we just subtract that for a moment, and I know it, it, this may seem like me trying to get easy podcast brownie points by praising the local lad, but I genuinely <laughs> thought Randall had an excellent game. He was at the centre of, of so, so much. We did. I know we spent a lot of time on JB, but I couldn't let it go without mentioning Randall as well. I mean, he's gone into a game um, in the, the, the key central midfield position against a team that have a lot of quality, and he's won ninety percent of his duels. It's it's an outstanding figure, and you consider what what he's done going forward as well. Yes, okay, he nearly scored, but maybe he should have scored. But he's also driven forward through, made that chance um, for for himself, and he's probably as good as anyone that he didn't do better. But it's just one example of how much he offered going forward. I think if you look back at the first goal, it, as I recall, it's Randall's turnover that actually gets the ball into in, into Whitaker, then puts it puts it forward yeah. for for JB's shot that leads to the goal so you know really really impressive and I think if you or we all think back to Foster's first games in charge and Randall starting off on the bench and there was a, a slight thought of hmm, has he fallen out of favour is he going to be the player under the new manager who doesn't quite get as much of a look in as he did previously I think he's put that to bed now because some of his recent performances have genuinely been sensational and no more so than than yesterday and the only thing missing 
as you say, was the goal. But when you've already 2-0 up and that's how it ends, it doesn't matter too much. So, yeah, hats off to him. I think I think Adam's in Aaron's good books for the next few weeks about throwing some Adam Randall praise in. Graham, Drew, anything else you want to, to add in on Borough? Finn as as. What happened? What happened That's... to one of the best <laughs> midfielders in the division? He was anonymous, wasn't he? Did he have any forward passes? Did he do anything? I know he scored a couple of spectacular Argyle-type goals uh, in the last few games, but he was anonymous and two and a half million pound and significant wage. And I just wondered how Middlesbrough fans were were reacting to Andrew. Did they did you get any feeling about what they thought about him? I think he's gone. I think he's gone down quite well there. I, I do wonder, actually, and it, it, it was in the back of my mind for part of the game. And I, I never asked Ian Foster about it afterwards because I've forgotten it again by that point. It's amazing how, how things sort of drop out of your head when you think of something else sometimes. But I did wonder if we did a job on him, you know, that Houghton and Randall know him very well and will know probably more than anyone else in the league how to stop him. Nance as well, I guess, you know. Maybe that had a little bit of a bearing on it that they, you know, that, that they'll know how to play against him more than some other people do. Um I don't think it was our, you know, specific plan to like. You know, it's not like stop him and you stop Middlesbrough or anything. Because actually, the way we stopped them was by stopping them playing out their own half a lot of the time. But yeah, I think we did a pretty good job on him, on the quiet. Um, and yeah, just to echo again the point. I mean, Hasney, my pundit, he actually made Randall man of the match ahead of JB, and JB had a hell of a game. Um, and as you say, it, you know, when. It looked like when Foster came in and the transfers went in and out that actually Forster and JV were going to be the first choice defensive midfield pairing. And we've got Middlesbrough with Houghton back in the team as captain, who was again has gone under the radar a little bit, but he's not just only back in, but he's back in, he's got the armband back. Um, he played well, not quite as well as not or eye catchingly well, I would say. As JB or Randall, but another good another good, you know, suddenly you've got Houghton and Randall back in there. You've got competition for places. And they responded well to it, you know, that their heads could have got, you know, their heads kind of gone down. I thought, well, I'm not flavour of the month anymore. I'm not, you know, whatever. Not this, not that. But they both were back in the team and they really seized that chance. They responded well. Um, I'm going to spare everyone the Ref Watch segment this week because I actually don't have anything to add on, on Ref Watch. We'll, we'll forget it for a week. On that. I loved when Mickle Miller leapt up and caught the ball because it was going over his head and been <laughs> over here. It reminded me of like playing football in the park with your mates that, you know, you, you just think, oh, Christ, if I, if I don't grab that now, that's going miles. I have to, <laughs> run, I have to run across like three pitches to go and get that. I, f- I felt sure that he was just somehow like back in the park with his mates. And that's why he did it. And when the ref got out the car to book him, I just thought, oh, come on. I know people want, cons- yeah, a lot of people seem to want consistency out of refereeing. What I want is human beings applying the laws of the game in a way that involves common sense and judging each case on its merits. Yes, it was it was an obvious handball, but it wasn't an obvious handball to gain an advantage, was it? There's no advantage to that whatsoever. He, you know, the moment he caught the ball, he knew he wasn't going to do anything with it. It's not like it was basketballing in the penalty area or anything. That's not worth a yellow card. That's daft. 
I think my favourite moment of Miller catching the ball was as he as he grabs it and realises just where he's landed and his feet are actually still in play. The the look and disgust on his face when he realised what he'd done um, and that he was probably about to receive a dressing room fine um, for the most comical yellow card collected all season. Um, we'll, we'll get on to questions because, um, as I say, I do want to devote quite a bit of time, if we can, to the academy um success on saturday um just flicking through the facebook questions unfortunately we've answered quite a lot of them um jb um about the players and the performance whether or not foster's learned anything from west brom we sort of think that perhaps he was right in what he said in in the cold light of day um it's not a question but it's a comment drew we'll, we'll throw it your way anyway it just says jay holiday saying drew savage is a fantastic commentator on radio devon and his co-commentator hasniel joffre is brilliant as well so we'll get that one in for you there um too kind we've <laughs> we've got on twitter um hopefully we haven't answered all of these questions um so far um Adam, we'll come to you for a comical one to start with. Jack Coleman, um, regular on the on the lives, asks simply, can we start a GoFundMe page to bring Finners as home? After that, I mean, I'm not entirely sure we, we, we want to spend the money on that <laughs> after what we've seen. Um, no, in, in, in all fairness, um, it, um, it'd be lovely to, to, to still have him around. But um, alas, he's, not, he's not quite a Darko JB, is he? No, he's he's not. And there was a lovely, um, to be fair, Argyle TV did pick up on a, a lovely thing at the end there where he was chatting with the Argyle players and things at full time. Um, absolutely zero animosity between the, the two parties there. I think that most of the Argyle lads strongly wishing us as well um, in his career because it was... Doesn't it? But, um, I don't want to go for old ground about... Yeah, sorry. Just uh, just say the way that we've reacted to some departures. I don't think there's any animosity on us as at all. Um, yeah, the, the I think obviously he's a great player. He, he he always came across and through his work in the in the community and the way that he's chatting at the end is a great person as well. So yeah, I mean, I maybe I was a bit harsh saying he's no Darko JB, but um, you know, let let's not let my reaction to yourself have a bad time. Yeah, I sort of don't want to go over old ground on because we've talked about Azaz's departure and things, but of course his his tenure at Argo just felt different, did it? You don't normally get a lone player for eighteen months. He sort of felt like like one of the family, so there was always going to be um, that emotion attached to it. A um, bit more of a comical one, um, Ben, uh, not a troll. He's on Twitter, Drew. If you didn't already know, Ben simply asks, "Will Drew have his mug?" I think by the the glass of. <laughs> The glass of white in your hand is is probably not the mug this evening. No, but um, it's weird, isn't it? Well, I've got a new I've got a new superstition now as well, on top of everything else. I don't know if you saw the photo on Twitter, but um, they were supplying cups of Bovril at uh, Middlesbrough. So Hasney, I thought, oh, we, we we both thought, yeah, we'll have a Bovril. Other beefy drinks are available, or are they? I don't know. Does anyone else make them? But anyway, you know, so maybe, maybe that could be the that could be the new, the new superstition now. But. Um, yeah, my good old mug's done me done us well over the last uh, last season, didn't it? Nothing down to Schumacher, nothing down to Ryan Hardy, nothing down to you know, Morgan Whitaker, anybody else. It's all down to the mug. Graham, I'm going to throw this one to you. It's it's rather appropriate. It's from um, somebody called Ryan on Twitter. I think you may or may not have connections to this Ryan of the Argyle Parish. Um, he asked, would this reaction performance have happened if it wasn't for Tuesday? Or as Fozzie said, levels of performance were good. We just played against better opposition. 
He did give me advance warning of the question coming, if that's a clue. Um, I, I, I just think the West Brom game, we weren't at it. Nothing galvanises you um, like a poor defeat. And that's been our trademark, actually. I think, didn't we beat Norwich 6-2 after a previously poor performance and defeat? So we, we tend to recover quite well from uh, poor poor performances. So as long as we poor performance win, poor performance win, we'll be, our status in the championship will be um, secured fairly quickly on that basis. But um, I, I'm sure that, you know, the, the players and, and the team management can't have not been aware of the veracity of what was being said <clears throat> and probably felt quite unjust about it in, in many quarters. So I'm sure that gave them double determination to put on a show, not least for the thousand or so fans that had travelled all that distance. Which, um, you know, it's back to the unity, isn't it? <clears throat> Spirit between the team and the, and the players. And the, yeah demonstrated superbly on Saturday. It certainly is. And I think I think the whole poor poor performance win, poor performance win is sort of the roller coaster that we might be on between now and the end of the season that Fozzie yeah. referenced in his post-match media. Um there's there's a lot of talk about this and I suppose it comes off the back of um I'll go around all three of you for this actually. Um although we probably just get agreeing on points but we'll do it anyway. Um Obviously, this week is going to be the first one in four, if memory serves me right, where we don't actually have to go again in midweek. Um, Fozzie talked post-game with yourself during with the club's media that the players are going to get a break. They need it mentally and physically and emotionally and everything else. Um, it's a big game on Saturday. Obviously, we're going to preview it a little bit later on. We've got one of the promotion touted promotion contenders coming to town. It's massive that they're going to get a couple of days off this week, isn't it? It really is. I mean, you know, it, it was, I think it's our seventh game in 20, 22 days, something like that, including extra, yeah. time, including extra time against Leeds, which I had been sort of saying, that kind of killed us, that extra time. I'd much rather Brendan Galloway hadn't scored and we hadn't <laughs> gone really, really into the red with our energy and ship three goals as well, which, it, you know, it, it didn't feel like a 4-1, but it, nevertheless, it was, you know, and ever since then, yeah, I think before that game, we'd won three and drawn two under Fozzie. We were unbeaten. He was very, very much flavour of the month. And even after it, even though we'd lost 4-1 in extra time, we'd still take them to extra time. But it, since then, we'd struggled. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to have a week... To have a bit of a break, to have a bit of a reset, um, and then we do go again, and and hopefully he might get a bit more chance to for things to just knit together, gel together a little bit better, you know. Hopefully, it's all good. Anything to add, Adam Graham? A free week, a, a luxury. I think we need a rest from it as well. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> it's been hard graft watching and commiserating and it being elated it's been the, the emotions have been stretched this month for sure and i'll just say thank god we didn't beat leeds and then we'd be on our way to stamford bridge for a midweek just before that ipswich game do you know what i'll take it yeah. this way around thanks yeah i agree yeah been been there done that Chelsea, exactly you know. 
Plus, having have, although having seen their performance in the the League Cup final today, um, I actually have fancied our chances in midweek, particularly after that attacking performance in the first half. Um, that was Matt and James, by the way, who asked the questions about full week on the training pitch and having the break. What have we got here? Jack Leslie asks, um, Adam, come to you on this one. Jack Leslie asks, would you agree going forward, we need to persist with an experienced duo in midfield to allow JB to roam further forward? We looked so much more composed and compact yesterday over going with both Divine and JB. Far too young and inexperienced without a player like Houghton or Forshaw in the midfield. Is it important, basically, to have an experienced head in there? Yeah, I mean, it depends what it, what exactly we mean by experience. Do we mean players that um, have um, so many championship appearances in their careers, or do we mean players that are that are familiar with the system? I mean, you wouldn't necessarily call Adam Randall the most experienced player in the world, but I think having him in there in particular um, made such a difference um, to to what we we're doing. And I know I've, I've covered that in 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 more depth than I need to, but you know, I think let's think back to the the start of Foster's reign, which was again largely positive with, with JB and, and Divine both on the field equally speaking we had our, our first away win of the season with an excellent performance Madam Forshaw who's by far the most experienced midfielder we've got so I don't really think it's a necessity that we have that we cannot play with, with, with JB and Divine I think it can work I think we have to pick and choose the games so that it will work and um yeah, I think when you're playing the the very top sides, um, like Leeds United, for example, um, then it obviously isn't. But of course, JB was unavailable for those anyway, so it's a moot point. So, yeah, I wouldn't go through and say we absolutely cannot use that midfield pairing or those two in, together in midfield again this season. I think we absolutely can, but we need to be clever how we do it. And and certainly um, having Forshaw available and allowing for that competition in midfield um, in the future, as I know we've we've discussed already, can only be a good thing. So I think there's a lot of things that can work and it's just about being clever and how we do it. Yeah. Um couple of questions left. There's one that I'll get all your thoughts on um before we start to wrap up. But um Drew comes to you for the first one. It might be a little bit more tricky obviously because you you sort of with where you live and things you dip in and out of away games which ones you do and then it's stuck to the the highlights or full match replays whatever it is. Um, bearing in mind Huddersfield 3-1, Blackburn 3-0, Norwich 6-2, Sunderland 2-0, where does that result and performance rank in the wins that we've collected this season? Um, obviously, it's crazy to say that it was our best, it was our best or our, our biggest result when you think we've beaten somebody who are now a playoff contender 6-2 at home, but for me personally, I would say that probably is our best performance and best result of the season. I think you've got to put it in the context of what it's come immediately after, for one thing. That, you know, particularly if you look at, you know, we're now getting right down towards the business end of the season. And if you look at, you know, nearly everybody below us in the table, Bar Stoke and Rotherham, who lost to QPR, who themselves are you know, right down there, um, they all won. If we hadn't won, on Saturday, we would suddenly be two points above the relegation zone and we'd be at home to Ipswich on Saturday. It's really got us out of a bit of a hole. And the fact that, you know, we limited... They're a mid-table side, Middlesbrough, and they hadn't actually won at home since just before Christmas when they beat West Brom. You know, so they're, they're, they're a bit 
you don't quite know what Whittlesbury you're going to get. But I think, yeah, you know, as I say, it is, as, as you rightly say, it's hard for me to rate it as a performance against the others because I, you know, I, I very, it's very rare I will watch a full home game because I'm usually working doing my my main job for the BBC. Um, you know, it's mainly highlights, so often home games mainly I just get to see the highlights. But the fact that you know we limp, we, it was so one-sided on paper. The fact that you know Middlesbrough didn't have a shot on target. I think you've got to you've got you've got to not just judge it on terms of what we did ourselves, but what we did to the opposition, and we completely stopped Middlesbrough from playing. It's got to be up there. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. Um, that brings us on to the question that probably a lot. That was rhubarb, by the way. Great, great Twitter handle um, <laughs> at rhubarb, Hello, rhubarb on social media um, asking that one. So that brings us on to um the final question really and as i say we're gonna we're gonna go around the group because it's all you know we all have our own difference of opinion on this we have just 12 games to go it's crazy it feels like only yesterday that we were getting ourselves all excited and giddy for that huddersfield game all the way back in august um i bet it doesn't feel like yesterday for neil warnock that he was getting himself all ready to come down to home park on the opening day of the season um Woolwell Green asks us the simple question, given the form of all the teams at the bottom, except Rotherham, bit harsh because um, they were, you know, they're, they're, they're plucky and they're, they're getting there, but perhaps they just don't have the quality to necessarily get over the line in 90 minutes. Um, how many points do you think we need to stay up from now? Um, obviously, we should mention that um, on paper, the away forms um, in average position of teams in the league compared to the home games are potentially now easier. And the monkey is off the back that we now have two wins on the road rather than that solitary one. We'll go around the room. Um, Graham, Adam, we'll finish with Drew. Um, how many more points? Bearing in mind we're on 40, what do you think is going to be the magic number? Well, until a few weeks ago, the average... Um over the last 10 years to survive in the championship is 45 points. But we've got a really unusual league in as much as we've got teams running away with it at the top. The group in the middle and a really large, I think the bottom 10, I think it is, all within range of being relegated. <clears throat> and of course, one win changes everything. Three points um, makes a big difference. So previously thinking 45 would be enough. I'm not so sure now because I think we need more than two wins to survive. But we mustn't forget that all the other teams below us are playing each other as well. So we, 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 it's not possible for all of them to, to do as well as us. We've just got to do better than three other teams for the rest of the season. And then we're safe. That's the principle. Um, so I think I, I I was at 46. Now I'm tempted to be nearer to 50, I think, to survive. <clears throat> it depends. I mean, it, you know, Sheffield Wednesday have closed the gap a bit. Stoke have fallen into it. I mean, Stoke have got Leeds, um, one of the next two games anyway. So, you know, how many points they're going to get? And and you, if we win, they lose. You know, that six-point difference suddenly looks so much more healthier when you're looking at the table. So I always look at the third from bottom and it's currently Stoke and what we, um, five points, a better goal, six, significantly better goal difference. So effectively that's six at the moment. So, um, so I, I would go for, um, 
50, 50 points for survival. Adam? Yeah, I, I think I'm in a, a similar boat in the sense that I think it's gone up. I was chatting to another Argyle Life writer who I'll keep unnamed for the purposes of their um, of their self-respect. But um, I mentioned that I thought it was 45 that it was going to um, going to reach. He actually thought it might be 43 that, that, that would be enough to keep us up. Um, right now, um, I think it's it's going to be higher than both those figures. My instinct is is 47 will be enough i if we get three more wins or two wins two draws we'll we'll, we'll be all right and the reason i'm thinking that is okay you can you can look at um the the teams that are there at the moment you can say okay we're five points clear now is it possible they can make up five points in the next 12, 12 games well yeah of course it is but you look at the teams now that are providing a buffer we have got six teams between us and stoke there's um a lot of potential, like you say, Graham, that they're going to play each other, take points off each other. Um, a lot of them, um, based on what I believe, have got have got leads to play. So, yeah, I think it's going to be. I, I touch wood. It's going to, it's going to be less than fifty. I think forty seven will probably do it, but it's an ever evolving situation. So, if you have me on this again, I might have a different answer next week. Drew, any advance on forty seven or fifty? I'm gonna well. Mainly because I think uh, it's, I can't remember if it's Neil Jews or Ian Foster. They said possibly fifty-two. I think our goal difference is so good that actually it's it's worth an extra point. So I'll go fifty-one. Um, but if you had asked me a couple of weeks ago, I get I would equally like everyone else would have said lower because Sheffield Wednesday. Were, you know, Rotherham, you can probably write them off. To be fair, now I think. Um, but Sheffield Wednesday were struggling. QPR was struggling. Millwall hadn't won in donkey's years. Um, and then they get Neil Harris in his manager, and they go and win it two one. It was Southampton they won away at. So suddenly, yeah. all the yeah Huddersfield win as well. Stoke are on the slide a little bit, but there's all those teams that have suddenly. I, I, I thought we, all we, we had to do. I thought there's four not very good teams in this league, and we just got to be slightly better than them, and that would do it. Um, and actually, those teams are some of those teams are now proving me wrong. So I'm a little bit jumpy, and it's probably a little bit safety first, but I think 50, 51 would definitely do it. Um, but again, you know, we've got QPR at home, we've got Wednesday away, you know, those two games, you know, win those two, we won't be far off. I think it's, I think it's typical Argyle, isn't it? We said it last year, it's typical Argyle that the one year we finally get out of, get back into the championship is the year it needs 98 points to do so. And it's typical Argyle that the, the year we're trying to stay in the championship, it just happens to be a ridiculously high figure needed. The way I look at it for, for what it's worth is that we've still got to play, as Drew mentions there, we've still got to play Rotherham, Sheffield Wednesday, Stoke away, QPR come to town. We've still got to go to Huddersfield. We've still got to go to Blackburn. Football, I get football isn't played on paper and it's not as easy as this, but the simple way I look at it, if we avoid defeat in those games, it makes it very hard for those teams to then make up the points. Even if you just get a point in every one of those games, that is one game less for those teams below us to make up the ground. Um, and we are good enough to pick up results either way. For what it's worth, I've been banging the drum all season that 45 was always going to be enough because I'm a bit of a naive idiot. Um, and I'm sort of having to step back on that. And I, I do think 50 is the the hallowed the hallowed figure but enough about relegation let's talk about another title win 
in what has been a, a brilliant couple of years for Argyle as a club. It's another Alliance League title, um, not for Darren Way's under-18s, this time for Jamie Lowry's Argyle under-18s. And we have just the man to talk about it because, Graham, you were there to witness a quite bonkers game of Alliance League football. Take it away. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, it was played at the Millennium Road, which is a couple of pitches which Argyle, uh, I think, rent off the council. The pitch, the pitch, the the the, the main game, because there was two games on at the same time. The the fifteens and sixteens played on the other pitch and lost, I think, five two to Swindon. But the grass was long. It was really boggy. You couldn't play any constructive football on it. You know, not criticising the preparation of it. It's just how it was, and I. I did hear that they wanted the game to be postponed, but they couldn't because they jumped straight into the next tier of the Youth Alliance next week. So it had to be played. And it favoured Swindon, to be fair, because they were quite a strong physical side who um, previously beaten Man United in the FA Youth Cup. The previous round, I think they're in the quarterfinals. They were a good outfit um, and they they made it tough for us they're very robust defensively and um you know when you got the likes of freddie and caleb sort of used to skimming across cross perfect surfaces it wasn't so easy for them and so it proved and um we went a goal down relatively early freddie got one back with a sort of side foot finish they went up the other end scored from a corner and then just before half time, they got the third. I think mm, they're up against it. And I remember their keeper saying, That's it, we've won it at half time. I think, mm, that's fatal. And straight after the second half, uh, uh, playing out from the back, error, don't do it on a pitch like that. And they, we got caught 4 1 down. I thought, Oh my God. And then out of nowhere, and I don't know who scored it, I think it, it was on the left side, an absolute worldie right in the top corner within a minute of them scoring. So it's 4-2. Then we get a penalty, um, which um, <clears throat> there was a lot of kerfuffle. The centre-back was giving it full on to the ref. And he must have said something serious because he got a straight red. So um, they were down to 10. Caleb put the penalty away. So it's 4-3 probably with about 10, 12 minutes to go. And we huffed and we puffed and we just never looked like the goal was com coming. And then uh, I'd be kind to say it was a controversial handball on the edge of the area, which consulting with the with the linesman, anyway, it was, it was given and uh, Caleb put it away and the final whistle blew and that was it. Oh, no, th there was one amazing incident after that. It was four all. All you've got to do is take your time, play out. So he played it back to to uh, Dan Holman, our keeper, pick, pick the ball up, and then he, he put it down, went to play the ball out, and picked it up again. And, of course, the referee's gone, the rest has gone, everyone's like, oh, that's the end of the game. No, it was a free kick inside the area. So their goalkeeper, who was... One who's absolutely outstanding keeper, destined for a good future, I'm sure. He had the most amazing 
kick on him. So he actually took the free kick in the penalty area and they charged the wall. And this time, unlike at Sunderland, the wall didn't break. They charged it in unity. Ball bounced out and the ref blew the whistle. And that was that was it. Um, so, I mean, credit. One of the things you do see, because obviously you're on the touchline and you see the intensity, you see the physicality, the determination. And I have to say, second half, our goal was superb. They were absolutely superb. That determination, Lewis Colwell, who was the captain right back, drove the team forward. They never believed that they were out of it. And I, I, I was really impressed. I mean, I hadn't seen a few. I, I do try and get to see academy games, and I hadn't seen some of the players. But the back, they played the back three, same system to two wing backs pushing high, and the back three of Sullivan, Matthews, and um, Jensen Island, who, who was about six foot four. He's another sort of like Ashley Phillips in stature. Um, they were really, really good because uh, Freddie is. If you think he's quick on the in, at first team level, he's absolutely blistering quick when you see him close up. Phenomenal. And Caleb Roberts, who I liked for a long time, what a gifted player he is. Two great feet, intelligence, but what I really like, he gets stuck in. And I'm sure he's going to grow <clears throat> and he's going to be the Adam Roberts of the future, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I, but great, great for the club. I think they go into the next, uh, I think they play against the Southeast region, which isn't as glamorous as it sounds, because it's like Cambridge and Peterborough, I think, are the two teams that finish top. So it's that sort of level. It's all the League One, League Two teams. I don't think there's a championship side in it. Um, and similarly with the North Northwest region. So um we play a bit further geographically so we're used to that see where we go but great effort considering where swindon are in the fa youth cup the final eight that's some performance it it certainly is and i'm not sure whether we're sure it's two years in a row or three years in a row that we're proving our dominance um in this level but adam the hard work starts now for these these kids doesn't it they've they've done the hard yards in in getting themselves the title um as graham says now they pit themselves against even you know potentially better opposition than they've been playing already in another pool of fixtures and then it's a case of i suppose it's a different dynamic this year in the respect that there's a new manager in the building as well so there's a new there's a new mind to impress um when it comes around to the end of season and and those contracts those golden tickets if you like that are handed out yeah, very much so. And um, I think it's only likely to have a galvanising effect that they've got someone else who um, who they can go in and impress. But um, yeah, it, it is that moment now, isn't it? It's They won the league in, in sensational circumstances with a few players who are reaching the age and are reaching talent, actually, where they may be playing for the academy for the very last time. And um, if they are, what a way to go out. Hopefully, um, that momentum carry forward. Uh, we can see some of those players um, get the contracts that I'm sure plenty deserve. I mean, I it's incredibly unprofessional of me that I don't keep a closer eye on the academy before coming on and, and, and chatting away about it. But um, yeah, I'm 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 sure we'll see see one or two names that um, that get their reward. And yeah, hopefully with that. And you look at what we're doing with the academy as well, with Brickfields and everything going through. Hopefully this is the start of um, 
something even more major coming through our youth ranks in, in the years to come. And if it can have the effect of stealing young players from other teams in the region, like, I don't know, Exeter City, for example, well, that's a bonus as well. So long may this success continue. I remember coming on um, when Aaron wasn't asking me to host before Christmas after the FA Youth Cup game against Crystal Palace. And I remember saying that night that when the side develops their belief that they could actually go toe-to-toe with Palace and more than match them in the game, um, Argyle were outstanding that night. Um, and Drew, just just quickly on this, um, obviously it will have helped them in the running having people like Caleb dropped down to the academy for the last couple of games and Freddie was obviously made available for this one um, and obviously managed to get his goal and presumably had a massive impact on it. When it comes round to the end of the season and they have now got this new mind, this new person to impress, Foster's previous work with the England age group, just how much of an impact do you think that's going to have on some of his decisions? In the past, we've had managers who've just made you know, quick decisions will take potentially you, you and you through, we think you've got the potential. But now that Foster's worked with so many of England's best talents at the ages that these kids are at now, do you reckon that'll add a different dynamic towards all the contracts and first-year pros that are handed out? Or will they continue with the, the continuity that they've done the last couple of years? I think the one, you know, one of the main reasons that they went for Foster over a couple of the other candidates are a lot of what they want him to do with Argyle is developing young players. So, you know, it will be purely on merit. But if they, they you know, if there are one or two, three or four, hopefully, that they think they can make something out of, he's got the track record of taking young players and, and knitting them into a group uh, and incorporating them into a team. Um, and that's very much what Simon Hallett's vision for the club is, what Andrew Parkinson's vision for the club is. And... If there's another Randall or another Michael Cooper out there, then, you know, in Isaka, Will Jenkins Davis, who's currently out on loan as well, you know, I think a player could go very far in the game. Um, so if a couple of these lads could do the same, that'd be just, it'd be great, wouldn't it? It, it certainly would. And I think the dream is one day that this, the team will be at least 50% full of academy graduates. So I think that would be a great thing given particularly where Plymouth is a city, that we could make a, a homegrown team. Um, but congratulations to Jamie Lowry and the boys on their on their title win. Hopefully the rest of the season is as fruitful for them. Um, and as we've seen before, there are there are there there is the potential even for a few of them to get onto the first team bench and even get some minutes between now and the end of the season. Um, there's nothing on my running order that we've missed off um, to this point. If there's, unless there's anything else, I think we'll we'll call it a night there on Middlesbrough. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, this week we do have, um, we are recording a very um, exciting My Argyle Life this week, which will come out potentially as a package with one or two others that have already been pre-recorded, um, which will be a very insightful listen to the Green Army um, and we will be back later on this week with a full preview on the Ipswich game um, which of course we aren't just about to record now once we finish recording this one wink wink nudge nudge um, so that's it for this week um, Drew pleasure to have you on um, thank you for having me keep, keep up the good work Graham Adam I'm sure we'll see you again in the future weeks but for now it's good night 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.